Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. We appreciate Amanda and Steve, our wonderful service leaders. I'll just mention my eye before you start thinking about it. Got a sty about three days ago and went to the doctor yesterday and wasted my time. They told me tea bags. Thank you. If you think it looks bad, you should have seen it this morning early at 4 or 4.30 in the morning. Let me tell you, it looked even worse. So praise God. We're moving on. Amen. Joe Arena, he was looking at me kind of weird. He's like, I'm not sure it's okay, Pastor. (laughs) Um, Hey, our goal setting workshop starts tomorrow. And uh, what that really is, is to practically help you get vision for your life. Uh, We don't just want to be a a church with vision. We want individuals and families with vision. And that that aligns to the purposes of God. And, And so as we, many of you will set goals uh, as you start the new year. How many are goal setters? You're like, yeah, I'm gonna go get it at the start of the year. Do you know that most times statistics tell us 21 days later, you've already fallen off. 21 days later, you've already fallen off. And uh, so that can be discouraging. But at the same time, what, what uh, we unpack in the goal setting workshop is what are the key habits you're actually gonna start building that are actually going to not just help you achieve some goal, but really take you on the path of whether, it, whether you achieve it in that 365 days or not, you're at least headed in the right direction. Does that make sense? Uh, scripture says in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, what happens? People perish or people actually throw off restraint. And so we wanna be men and women with vision, right? Godly vision, not a worldly vision, but godly vision. And so I'd, I'd, I'd uh, encourage you to treat that as a workshop, get some pen, get paper out, set time aside for it, and just sit down and take some time to it, to it and through it. And you can pause it and then just write some, some good stuff uh, that'll flow out of your heart as you ask yourself deep questions. Does that make sense? All right, come on, let's, uh, let's read the Word and then we'll pray. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw His star when it rose and we have come to worship Him. Someone say, we have come to worship Him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Someone say, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was written or has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi, secretly found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. 
Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank You for every man, every woman. I thank You for every person who is watching online. I thank You for the kids in our kids' space right now, every teenager in this place. Lord Jesus, every service, four services happening across this church. So I pray in Jesus' Name that Your blessing, that Your life, that Your anointing would flow God, flow through Your servant into Your sons and daughters. Lord, that they might be equipped for every good work of ministry. God, bless every family as we gather across, across Christmas. Lord, uh, in the next few days, Lord, pour out Your Spirit in rich ways. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. I ask You today to open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart, to understand, to see through the lens of faith, Your Word, my life, and the generations to come. I declare by Your grace, I can become all You desire. In Jesus' Name. Come on, if you believe in Church Alive, give the Lord a hand in the house of God. Come on, praise God, praise God. Hey, grab your seat. How many of you like personal development books? Anyone like personal development books? Yeah, about seven of us like to develop ourselves, good. Um, Tony Robbins has a book out there called Awaken the Giant Within You. Um, there's this great book called Atomic Habits. Uh, it'll get you going. John Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, amazing book. He's written, I mean, he's written a couple of books. I think he's written 80. Uh, there's a great book out there called Good to Great. There's another great book out there called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And all of them are trying to help people become great. Um, there's life coaches, there's personal trainers, there's leadership coaches. And what is their goal? Help people become more than they are today. Help people become great. And then there's all these YouTube like uh, podcasts now and everyone's trying to help everyone. And even if the person doesn't know what they're talking about, they're still trying to help someone, you know. Um, then there's all the conversations of greatness around sports. Who's the greatest? Heard a couple of mumbles, Jordan. <laughs> and then there's the conversation, who's the greatest in, you know, obviously the NBA, and then who's the greatest quarterback, and who's the greatest in the NFL, and who's, who's the greatest, but then who's the greatest of all the sports of all time? I mean, it gets complicated, doesn't it? Um... If Herod was to write a book, I think he'd write a book called How to Be Great Like Me. <laughs> How to Be Great Like Me. Or, But I think if the Bible was to write a book on Herod, I think if history was to write a book on Herod, I think they'd call it How to Not Be Great. Or maybe Lessons on Not Being Great. <laughs> or maybe this, How to Kill Your Joy and everyone else is around you. King Herod was given a title. Actually, his title was Herod the Great. Isn't that amazing? You can have a great title, but not be great. You can be in a great position and abuse that position. You can have amazing, great opportunity, but miss the greatest of all opportunities. Jesus was literally born in your kingdom and you didn't see it. 
You're talking about missing the big kahuna. You're talking about missing the biggest moment. Herod, actually historians tell us he was known for conniving and scamming his way to stay in a position of power. Historians tell us this, that Herod proved to be this extraordinary political survivor when civil war broke out in Rome between Mark Antony, not Anthony, just Mark Antony, and Octavian, Herod first sided with Antony. Why? Because he likes Anthony. And his ally, Cleopatra, Queen of Egypt. And then, watch this now. Then when Octavian defeated Antony and Cleopatra at Actium in 31 BC, Herod immediately switched sides, convincing Octavian of his loyalty. He was a conniver. He was a self-promoter. He, 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 he changed his political position depending on what's popular. He had no character. He had no morals. He was all about the self and the selfie. Maybe King Herod was the first one to ever develop the selfie. I don't know. But he was always this insecure king. He actually tried to win over the Jews by helping them build the temple. But obviously the Jewish people don't want to be ruled by a Roman. So he was tolerated at best, but never celebrated. And this king wanted to be celebrated. He wanted to be praised. He was insecure, he was seeking greatness, but he missed greatness because of his insecurity. He actually became so obsessed with power that he killed one of his wives, hello, and three of his sons. He had a great title, but he wasn't great. He had great opportunity, but he blew it. Do you know that every single one of us has that same opportunity to receive Jesus? Think about missing the greatest gift called Christmas. Think about for years going under the Christmas tree, taking gifts from the Christmas tree, getting excited about your gifts, but never receiving the true gift. That was, that was Herod. For 2,000 years, people have been reading about how he wasn't great. How would you like that? to be your legacy. Anyone? <laughs> Come on, anyone with me? Like, like for 2,000 years, people been reading about how great you weren't. <laughs> right, you're like, sign me up. We can learn some lessons from our boy Herod. If there's a post-up boy child for someone who lost their joy, it's Herod. If there's a poster boy child for someone who didn't spread joy, who killed joy, it'd be Herod. Listen to what Luke chapter two, verse 10 says. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Of what? That will be for how many people? All the people, that means Herod is invited to the party. Herod's literally invited, Jesus came to give him life and yet Herod's there rejecting, rejecting life. In a time of great joy, in the season known for joy, Herod lost his joy. 
Um, you know one of the French philosophers who hated Christianity? I think his name was Voltaire from memory. He was around the 1600s. He said, he said, Christianity will be dead in 100 years. He wrote this in the 1600s, said this in the 1600s. He was an enemy of the church. At the end of his life, his house was purchased and the printing press of the Bible bought it. <laughs> Interesting story, isn't it? And printed Bibles from his house. Isn't that unusual? Isn't that like the Lord going, you know what? How about I use your platform, your house, your foundation, your home, your wealth, your riches for my name. Because you rejected my name and my goodness, I'm gonna use your stuff and prove to you that I am the most high. Isn't that good? The gospel is joy if we receive it. It's good news if we receive it. It's joy to the world. But Herod was like, this isn't joy to the world. You're trying to mess with my world. You're trying to mess with my stuff. You know, we live in a culture that obviously celebrates the selfie. You ever done a selfie? We've all done selfies, right? I think it, it kind of was looked on, upon badly years ago and now we just go, yeah, let's do it. I thought I'd quote some lines from some of the stars of our day to see if you can see the obsession with self. Because it's easy to actually look at historical figures of faith and go, man, this guy missed it. But at the same time, not see where you and I miss it. Terrell Owens said this, the Dallas Cowboys star said, I love me some me. I love that line, I love me some me. Snoop Dogg, ready for Snoop Dogg? He got an award, he said, I wanna thank me for being there for me, for believing in me. My boy, Snoop Dogg. He's actually not my boy, I just thought that fit. Eminem. So everybody just follow me because we need a little controversy because it feels so empty without me. <laughs> so obsessed with self. So obsessed sometimes with their kingdom. So obsessed with their power. So obsessed sometimes with their season. I'll do what I want. You ever say that, I'll do what I want? Years ago, that became the teenage phrase in my home. My parents hated it. But we said a lot when I was like 14, 15, 16, I'll do what I want. <laughs> I'm not sure if I said it like that, but I said, we, we, we would say it a lot, I'll do what I want. Herod did what he wanted. The king of all kings shows up to his little kingdom and he says, I'll do what I want. Because he refused to receive joy, he ends up being a joy stealer. And I wonder to myself, sometimes if you're not affecting more people than you think by not walking in joy. One theologian, uh, it was, um, what's his name? Sproul, 
Anyway, it doesn't matter what his name was. This is a good, good line. He said this, it's the responsibility of the Christian to carry joy. He says the responsibility of the Christian to carry joy because even in the worst circumstances, you can always rejoice that Christ is in you. Matthew chapter two goes on to tell us this, that when Herod realised that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are, they are no more. Herod became so obsessed with self, so obsessed with his own power, his own pleasure, his own political gain that he literally slaughtered a bunch of children. Herod teaches us this though, when bad things happen, this doesn't mean God doesn't exist. What it does mean is that evil exists. Hear that again, because sometimes when tragic things happen, our first, sometimes, if we're honest, heartfelt response is, where was God? But God actually created His law as this fence post, as this guidepost to protect humanity. And when actually people step outside of that and break the law of God, pain enters our, our experience. But then sometimes that pain is so painful that we say, God can't exist. He says, no, 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 I exist. And I set this boundary for you to listen to me. And so when, when pain happens, you actually should grow in your faith in the Bible because it's the biblical narrative that teaches us that since Genesis chapter three, pain, sin entered the world. Does that make sense? This is why most society social movements that try and fix society's problems fail. Why? Because they're all outward focused. Let's fix this instead of fix me. And you can never fix out there until you've allowed God to fix in here. You can, you can rally against all these other evils, but you'll actually notice that evil will get in your heart and you'll go Herod on people trying to protect power, trying to change things, but not realising that every single one of us has this battle between good and evil. And we have the capacity, even as Christians, to choose evil things. Does that make sense? Psalm 51 verse 10, David has a heart after God, but he's wandered. He's in a time of backsliding. He's jumped into bed with the wrong woman. He's murdered someone. And then he's confronted because he realises as great as he was, he went Herod. One of the greatest kings of all the Bible went Herod in a bad season. Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God. He says, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
had Herod prayed this prayer, maybe the book about him would be quite different. Maybe it'd be a story of a king that went wild, went weird, but eventually went good. The beauty of the gospel is every single one of us has that invitation and realization that all of us could go weird, could go bad, could actually go selfish until we bring and align our hearts to God and say, God, would you cleanse my heart? Does that make sense? The wise men became great. Joseph became great. Mary became great. And you and I have the opportunity for greatness. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us this. Matthew 5 verse 6, this is the first sermon kind of recorded or the, the Beatitudes and he goes into this whole sermon, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. He says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And I started thinking about this and I, I want us to realise this. We all hunger and thirst for something. Herod hungered, Joseph hungered, Mary hungered, the wise man hungered, we all hunger. And I believe that one of the most powerful things you can do is show up regularly to the house of God. Here's the thing, even when you don't feel like it, because you're hungering for something else sometimes and you've got to come into the presence of God. You've got to declare the things of God. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you because you might be singing songs sometimes and literally go, man, I don't feel this right now. And it's okay because when you declare something true and, and it, it almost reveals to you that your heart has drifted, then you can admit, oh God, my heart's drifted from you. Didn't even realise it in the last week, last month, last year, and then He will beautifully soften your heart and align your heart with your confession and your confession with your heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We're all hungering. Maybe you're hungering for ease. How many need a vacation every once in a while? You might be hungering for comfort. You might be hungering for a good night's rest if you just had a baby. You might be hungering for a certain relationship. You might be hungering for a promotion. You might be hungering for position. You might be hungering. Here's the thing, we're all hungering. And I think one of the most powerful things that we could realise is we've got to bring our hunger to God and allow Him to continue to change it. You don't become a Christian 10 years ago and then magically just hunger for all the right things, all the right times, in all the right seasons, like you're Gabriel. You still have a sin nature that you'll actually be wrestling with and so God has deposited His Spirit within you. But how many know the flesh is still gonna chirp sometimes? Some of you could pray this simple prayer, God, help me hunger for what is right. Some of you could pray this simple prayer. God, stir my hunger. Keep me hungry for the right things. Help me hunger for your presence. Listen to a Psalm of David. He says in Psalm 63, at a better, hungrier, healthier time of his life, he says this, you God are my God. Watch this now, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. 
I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. When we're hungry for the right things, God can satisfy the desires of our heart. Isn't it interesting that the same king who wrote, created me a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit within me, also said, I hunger for you, God. Do you see the dichotomy? Do you see that there's times where his spiritual life is so wayward, but other times he's hungering for the same things? And I think one of the great things of worship and one of the great things of generosity is it continues to align our heart. Worship aligns our heart, but so does generosity. Worship aligns me, but I would say this, generosity leads me. Generosity, whatever I give my attention to, how many know you start hungering for? Let me say it again. Whatever you give your attention to, whatever you focus on, you start hungering for. So what happens when I worship, I start saying, God, help me see you in the beauty of your holiness. Help me see your love and your grace align my heart. But also what happens when I step out and become more generous, you know what happens to my heart? My heart goes to whatever I'm generous to. My wife is an amazing gift giver. She's, I would say she's got the gift of generosity. I, I would say I'm working on it. I don't naturally just go, who am I gonna buy Christmas presents for? I'm like the meme. There's memes out there where you'll see the father on Christmas morning looking, being surprised at what everyone got. That's sometimes me, if I'm really honest. I'm like, babe, tell me what you got him. So I'm not surprised. I have one assignment generally on Christmas, buy her gifts. She's got the friends, she's got the family, she's got the kids, she's got all that kind of stuff. You know what I've noticed, what's healthy for me? What's healthy for me is to sit in a shop and literally think, what should I buy my wife? I'm serious. Just, you just gotta sit there and what, it, what does it do? It causes you to think about someone else. But sometimes I've walked in the shop, thought I'm gonna buy my wife a gift, and then I've walked out with a gift for me. I'm just being honest. <laughs> I went into a shop. I'm like, I'm gonna buy my wife something. I got drawn to the men's department and I come out with some cool shades. <laughs> Matthew chapter five, verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Joseph saw God because he allowed God to purify his heart. Mary saw God because she allowed God to purify her heart. The wise men saw God because they allowed God to purify their heart. Herod saw nothing but himself. And so he never saw God except when it was too late. At the end of his life, when he stood before God and would have realised that he did nothing but stare at himself. What you focus on, you hunger for. What you give your money to, your heart is attracted to. A couple of days ago, I got this sty in my eye. Can I have the piano player to come back? 
At first, it was just an itch. I looked at my wife. I said, hey, babe, have I got something on my eye? She was looking at me. She's like, no. The next morning, I woke up. My daughter looked at me. Huh? <laughs> she looked at me and made this weird noise. Like, huh? I saw some people this morning. They're like, Pastor, how you doing? Then I looked at them. They're like, huh? Um, isn't it interesting how we can see clearly? We can see purely. We can have 20-20 vision. And then all of a sudden, something gets in our eye. And then all of a sudden, we need to go to a doctor and say, Doc, what's up? What is the house of God? It's the doctor's house. It's the Father's house where you walk in and sometimes you think you're good. You're like, ha, 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 great week, amazing. And you don't realise that even in worship and even in generosity and even in just talking with people and serving and even in a preaching moment, you thought you had a great week, but you got something in your eye. Well, sometimes you had a bad week and that bad week actually is a revelation that Jesus needs to come alongside you once again because He does it all the time, doesn't He? Doesn't Jesus just come alongside us beautifully in the moments of time and the moments of life and just adjust us and help our vision and help our sight and help us see clearly? Why do we need to worship as a church? To see clearly. Why do we need to give as a church? To see clearly. How did the wise men see Jesus, they sought Jesus, they worshiped Jesus, and they were generous to Jesus, and they kept hearing Jesus' voice. And I pray more than anything else, our church always just carries that commitment. And I tell you, it's a commitment to seek Jesus. It's a commitment to worship Jesus. It's a commitment to be generous to Jesus. It's a commitment, but that commitment over time actually shapes our entire lives. Can I get an amen? Close your eyes all across this place. Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your love. I thank You for Your grace. I thank You You're in this place. I ask You, Lord, minister life, touch and heal bodies and minds and hearts and eyes and ears and everything else, God. Stretch out Your hand, heal. Marriages, homes, minds and hearts, People that had good weeks and bad weeks, Father. People's faith feels strong. People's faith feels weak. People who are doing so well and people that are doing bad, I lift them up to You right now. And Lord Jesus, I thank You for Your hand upon this house. I thank You for Your hand upon every life. I thank You what You're doing in this church and I pray and believe that You'll continue, continue, continue to do it. Lord God, we love You. Lord God, we praise You. All across this place, with eyes closed, heads bowed. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Christ. Maybe you're online today and you've never said yes to the one who's already said yes to you. He came to give you forgiveness. He came to give you joy. He came to give me joy. He came to give me forgiveness. He came to give 
us eternal life. It is joy to the world. It's for the heart that says, God, I need You. It's for the heart that says, God, um, I desire You. I'm asking You to come into my life and change my heart. Herod's heart was the problem. The problem of humanity is the problem of the heart. Jesus came to forgive and to heal our hearts. So all across this place, we're gonna pray a prayer in a moment and maybe you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, never said yes to Christ. Or maybe today you're here and you feel like you're away from God and you need to come back to God. And so we're gonna pray a prayer that'll literally just connect you, reconnect you back to God. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father, thank You for sending Jesus to live, to die for me. I believe He died on the cross, rose from the dead. I put my faith in Him right now. I ask You, gracious Father, fill me with Your grace. Cleanse my heart. I turn my life from following me to follow you. With eyes closed and head bowed all across this place, if you meant business with God in this place, I'm gonna ask you to quickly raise your hand, raise up high all across this place. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. That one in the back there, that one in the middle there, that one over there, that one over there. Thank you, ma'am, in the back there. Thank you, sir. Praise God for every single hand. Praise God for every single one. Father, I thank You. I thank You in the awesome, awesome Name of Jesus for every life. Lord, I pray for every person who's strong in faith today. God, I pray by Your grace that You would strengthen them even more. Pray for those weak in faith. Lord, You would strengthen their faith. Lord, in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. I'm gonna ask us to stand to our feet, church, and I'm just gonna end this worship service with us singing this song, just worshiping the King, aligning our minds, aligning our hearts, aligning our vision again one more time. Let's make sure that Herod gets kicked out and Jesus gets, gets lifted up in our own minds and our own hearts. Come on, lead the way, guys.